Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. But we've been in a message series called uh, The Call. We started last week where we're talking about um, Jesus' plan. Um, We know that Jesus is working. Jesus is alive. He is well. And so in this message series, we're on week two. Um, We're going to continue talking about what the call of God is, where he's moving, and, and how he's doing. And so we started last week talking about what Jesus did when he began his ministry. So we talked about, um, you know, his first message that he read. He took the book book of Luke, and he read that, and he told people what he was going to do, set the captives free, and um, open blind eyes, open deaf ears. Well, in this week, we're going to talk about how Jesus ended his ministry, how Jesus ended his ministry. And so we are going to go... Um, to the book of Luke, chapter 22. So if you have your Bibles there, uh, you want to go to the book of Luke, chapter 22. We're going to go there, and I'll give you a second to go there, and we are going to pray in a second. And so we are, um, we're going to pray, we're going to go into it. But Father God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. Heavenly Father, we invite you here. I thank you for who Jesus is. I thank you for what he's done. He's been very good to us. And may we make much of Jesus. And Jesus, may your word come forth. And may, uh, may you be glorified, my God. In Jesus' name. In a few minutes, we're going to get into the book of Luke. And we're going to talk about um, how Jesus ended his ministry. And he ended it with with how we're going to end today's service. So over here on the side, we have the makings of um, communion. We're going to end today's service um, with communion. So right here, I'm going to just take that off. That keeps it safe, make sure nothing happens with it. But it's my illustration today. So we're going to end with a um, a memorial, a remembrance that Jesus established. And so we're going to end that way. And in the book of Luke chapter 22, verse 14, it's kind of where that starts. And so if you have your Bibles, and you should have a paper, the paper has a scripture. Um, It says, and when the hour came, he reclined at the table, and those those apostles with him. So this is Jesus, he's ending his ministry. And I believe that the way you end something is often incredibly important. And so Jesus is about to end his work Um, He's about to go to the cross where he's going to purchase redemption and salvation, and he's going to save mankind on the cross. And so right here, this is his last moments before that. And so this is a very important time, and he does a few things that are wonderful. And this story is still a story that's being told today. First, he has his apostles at a table. And let me explain something to you. God is still inviting you to his table. Like, he wants you to come there. He wants you to sit with him. And I just want you to get that picture of Jesus who knows he's going to the cross, knows he's about to suffer a horrible death, like be crucified, be killed, be, be, like die a painful death, and he's sitting there with his friends at a table. 
It's like the moment before the big game. It's, it's where he wanted to be. And in verse 14, it says, he had reclined at the table and the apostles were with him. Verse 15, it says, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Passover was a Jewish feast. It was a festival. It was one of their holy days, their holidays, um, where they celebrated the deliverance from Egypt, where God brought them out of Egypt, and, and, and they celebrated that. And the Passover lamb was, some, was a way that God had, they celebrated that God passed over their sins and that God would forgive their sins. And, and right here, we have the makings of the last Passover. Like, this is the last one before everything changed. So Jesus is on this day getting ready to eat this meal, and he says, I tell you, I will not eat of it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 17, and it says, and he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this um, and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the day of the kingdom come, the day the kingdom comes. There was a, there was a glass of wine in the Passover meal. Right here, this is non-alcoholic, all right? Just for you guys to make sure you, you know. And uh, it probably, you know, probably didn't look like that. It probably wasn't as fancy. It was probably a normal cup in a, in a, amongst a normal set of friends, except that this was the Savior of the world. And he says, he takes this cup, and he gave thanks, and he said, he blessed it. And he says, from now on, I'm not going to drink of this until the day the kingdom of God comes. Verse 19, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which was given for you. Right here, we have pre-broke bread. Pre-broken bread. English, English, not very good am I sometimes. But he took the bread, and he broke it in pieces. And he passed it out, and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Now, these people at the meal, they really didn't know what he was doing. They knew how he had started his ministry. They knew how he had ran his ministry. But they didn't really understand where this was going And then he says, do this in remembrance of me. The next verse, verse 20, it says, likewise, after the cup had been, likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, he said, this is the cup poured out for you. It is the new covenant in my blood. Verse 21, but behold, the hand of the one who betrays me is at the table for the Son of Man has been determined. For the one the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. So I want to try to pull a few truths out of this story. Number one, he said, do this in remembrance of me. That word remembrance in the book of Hebrews is tied to another remembrance that the nation of Israel had. See, they had these sacrifices every year, multiple times during the year. They, they had these sacrifices, and, and they, they, they would remember their sins every year. Every year, an animal would die, and they would, they would, um, 
basically remember how they've fallen short. They would remember how they disobeyed God and disappointed the Lord. And so you had these sacrifices going on, and now Jesus is establishing something brand new. He's establishing a meal which is made up of the bread and the juice. And he says, do this and remember me. See, no longer are we supposed to remember our sin. From now on, we're supposed to remember his righteousness. That is what we remember. That is what we celebrate. We don't come in here on a Sunday morning. We don't gather anymore in the old way and just think about how horrible we are and how we failed. I mean, we might think that. And we know we've made mistakes. But instead of gathering and and focusing on our guilt and our shortcomings, we come and we gather and we focus on his glory and on, on what he is doing. Now, the first point I want to put, and I know we have somebody new in the screen and it's kind of going crazy, I will give you, Christy, some clues. So if I don't ask you to change, don't feel like you got to change anymore. All right. Everybody say, we love you, Christy. All right. So the first point, we partake of his body in communion because he partook of ours on the cross. Now, I know that's been on the screen, but I want you to think about it a little bit. And I had to lay some groundwork before we got there. But, like, we come and we partake and we take this this body, this bread that represents his body, and we we, we take the, the wine that represents his blood, and then we have to remember a few things. It says, do it in remembrance. What are we remembering? We're remembering, number one, that he fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law. That he did what we could never do. And number two, we remember because it's broken bread. It's not fresh bread. It's broken bread. And it's poured out juice. It's his blood that was poured out. We remember that not only did he fulfill the righteous requirement of the law that we could never do, he suffered death for us so that we wouldn't have to. There are two things we're remembering. We're not coming and and celebrating or remembering and being guilty over our sin. We're celebrating his righteousness and that he died for us. And so the cross is something that already happened. And then he says he poured out his blood and it is a new covenant, a new promise And if you go through and you read and you study the Old Testament and you see kind of of what was written and how it was written, there is um, basically do this and live. Do this and live. If you don't do this, you die. And to tie it in the last week, God has doing something new. How did God want to save people? So the next point, the Old Covenant. It said, basically, we do something or we die. That's how it was written. We obey or we die. But the new covenant is he did something and we can live. It is not about us. Salvation has nothing to do with you. It has nothing that you should be happy about that. Like, you didn't add anything to it. 
You have no part to play. It's what Jesus did. Salvation is good. If you didn't add anything to it, then you can't take anything away from it. And that should make you feel good. That should allow you to come in here and you see the cross, whether we're taking communion or you see the cross, whether we're singing worship songs, or you see the cross, whether we're preaching God's word, and you remember the glory of Jesus Christ. And that your sins are forgiven, and it's nothing that you did. It's nothing that you earned. And that is good news. So this is what God is doing in Christ He's establishing a new covenant. He's he's making a forever sacrifice. No more sacrifices need to be made. It is done. It is finished. Now we're going to go further on into the book of Luke, um, chapter 24, verse 46. Now I want to set this up. So what happened? And Jesus talks about communion. He talks about, do this in remembrance of me, and I'm convinced they really didn't understand what was going to happen. About this broken body, about this poured out blood, and they're like, what? Well, then he goes and his body is actually broken. He is actually killed. His blood actually is poured out. Like the sacrifice happens, but it doesn't stop there. God brings him back to life. Three days after he was put in a tomb, God brings him back to life. And right now, we are living in an age where the cross has taken place and the resurrection has taken place. And what I want you to see is that Jesus' story is not over. That's done. The cross is done. He never has to do that again. But the part of the story that we are in right now is really in verse 46 of chapter 24. Jesus came back to life and he's talking to his disciples. And he's explaining to them how things are. This is what time it is. Verse 46, he said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. So that is written. What is Jesus doing? He's saying this isn't a surprise to God. It was determined beforehand. He wrote it down. He knew Christ was going to die. It is written. Now, sometimes we stop at that first yellow part. We know that Christ determined, God determined that to happen in Christ. But do you know what else has been determined? And that the repentance for the forgiveness of the sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. That is still written. That is still part of God's plan. That's what part of God's plan we are in now. Jesus did the sacrifice. He gave his disciples a way to remember that and keep their focus on that sacrifice. The law is fulfilled. That's why why we're free. The law is fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled it. Our sins are forgiven. That's why we can rejoice in God because he didn't hold us against him. Jesus paid a debt. His blood was shed so ours didn't have to. And now what has he given to his people? He's given to his people, verse 47. 46 was his. 46, I got this. I suffered. 
I died, I rose again. Verse 47, that's ours. We got to own that. Because I'm telling you the truth, Jesus is not walking around this earth in his physical body. But he is walking around in his body of believers. And that's you if you've called on the name of Christ. And the part that we have to own is that repentance for the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed. That word proclaimed means made known. God wants to make it known. It's, it is written. Like that, it's part of his plan. He wants it made known. And so you have to ask yourself, and not in a judgmental way, but, but like how much of 47 do you own? Is your life, is my life, is Lakeside Church making it known? Remembering what happened for ourselves and then proclaiming it, however that looks to the world. Are we making it known? Repentance. What is repentance? We talked about it last week, but a reminder, um, in case you weren't here, you can go back and listen online to that message, and I encourage you to. These, I think, are some of the most important messages a believer that is following Christ should know. So repentance, it's really a turning around. Well, what is it turning from? It's turning from basically two things. One, it's turning from sin. What is sin? Any way we try to get life but find death. All those things we look for satisfaction in that really wind up killing us. Replaying the story of Adam all over again. Adam said you could eat from, God told Adam you can eat from everything but this. And they went and they ate from that trying to get life, trying to get energy, trying to, to, to provide for themselves and they died. That is what sin is. We're looking for something only God gives in all the wrong places. The other thing we repent from is we can't do the law. And we don't have to. Sometimes we try to fulfill the law that Christ already fulfilled. And that's dumb. We can't fulfill the law. None of us, I mean, I hope, and I'd love to talk to you about this if this is you, but none of us probably are sacrificing baby lambs. Do any of you have a thing where you do that? You just go home at night and you cut one up, drain the blood out, sacrifice it as a garome? No, you don't do that. Because you know the sacrifice is done. But sometimes we try to fulfill the law instead of realizing that Christ also fulfilled the law. He also met the requirements for your blessing. He met them all, which is why we have to be in Christ. Because if you're in Christ, then the blessings of Christ come to you. Doesn't that make sense? If God is going to bless Christ because Christ was obedient and Christ suffered death for us and Christ demonstrated love and Christ fulfilled the law so he gets all the blessings of God, the only way for us to get the blessings of God is to be in Christ and to have Christ in us. Which is why we eat this. We're remembering 
Now, I don't believe, and theologically you can disagree with me and be completely wrong, but that's your choice. I don't believe that this actually turns into the body of Christ. I think we do it in remembrance. But part of what we were remembering is that we have to feed on him. We have to get our life from him. Not the fruit of sin like Adam. That doesn't give us life. What gives us life is the bread of life, Jesus Christ. And so we feed on him. And then just because we know we're not perfect, and even though we're feeding on him, we've still made mistakes, so we hold the cup of the covenant, which shows us that our blood doesn't have to be shed because his was. And we are forgiven because it's his covenant. It's his blood that was shed. And he promised to take care of us if we would just believe in him. Verse 48, you are witnesses. Now, this was written to the apostles, but you are witnesses of these things. I hope you've witnessed the power of God, the grace of God in your own life. Man, I hope you've seen what it is to be forgiven. If you haven't, man, I want you to find that today. I hope you've written, witnessed the power of God to show up in your life when all looks hopeless and he is still there. They were witnesses of the cross. They were witnesses of salvation. But we have still witnessed something, haven't you? Haven't you witnessed God come through? I mean, I don't know. The first time I met you guys, it seemed like you were in need. Am I right, brother? Seemed like your baby was really not in a good spot. And he was on the heart transplant list. No baby should be there. Is he on that list anymore? He's inactive. Oh, he's inactive. That's something that they've witnessed. That's something that they can make known. That's something that they can declare. What's your story? How, what can you make known about God? Verse 49, is, he says, And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Proclamation, being a witness, all of those things you cannot do on your own. The Holy Spirit does that through you. The same way fulfilling the law you could not do on your own, Christ had to fulfill that. You can't give a good testimony about Christ without the Holy Spirit. It's one of the Holy Spirit's chief roles is to empower you so that when you talk, your words have weight. You know what I'm talking about, right? Say you ever heard somebody talk? And they're really not saying anything. It's just like mad libs of buzzwords, and you're just like, you really talked for a long time and didn't say anything. But some people can talk and share a few words, and they carry weight, they carry power. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you, to clothe you with power 
to be a witness and so that you can proclaim or make him known well. A couple points I want to tie into you. Number one, the end of Jesus' mission is the beginning of ours. I want you to understand that. Jesus did his part. He fulfilled the law. He died in your place. And then he sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus did it. Our responsibility is to remember him, to come away from sin, to repent. If this corner represents sin, to come away from sin, to remember him and thank God that his God a new covenant and thank God his body was broken for us and feed on Christ and then to come over here and be empowered by the Holy Spirit and make that known. That's our job. That's our mission. That's Christ's plan for us right now. The next thing I want you to know is that Jesus' work changed from the cross to the church. And what do I mean by that? The cross is over. He's not doing that anymore. But now he's at work in the church to build us up and to equip us and to empower us and to heal us and to fix us, to give us some testimonies that we can bear witness of, to let us know some things so that we can talk to others about it intelligently, to show us his word so that we can share it with others. How is Lakeside Church doing that? What are some things that we have going on? Well, number one, we gather every Sunday and we want to make known the glories of the cross. We want to encourage and try to equip you to make that known. And if you are wondering, well, how can I get involved in proclaiming the gospel? Find a way to serve in your local church. Find a way to make a difference. And maybe you say, well, I don't even know what I can do. There's plenty of stuff to start with. My first job in the church, and probably my most important job, was pulling weeds. Why? They needed help. And I said, I'm all in, Lord. I know you're working in the church. If I can pull weeds, that's fine. And if I could bend over, I would still pull them today. But now with my back, I probably just have to fall down on the floor and roll around in the dirt. I mean, it would be hard to do. But I'm not opposed to that work. Some other things that we do, we have small groups going on. What are small groups for? To build community, to build relationship, to equip you, to empower you, to give you a chance to exercise your gifts. Because here's the truth. We can't all talk on Sunday. It'd get real boring. Can we be honest? If like four or five of us stood up or 20 of you stood up, it'd be like, good God. Let's get, at least for me. I'm going to be honest for Chris. You might love that, but about three people in, I'd be like, whoo, I'm hungry. Thank you. One man who's being honest right over there. Everybody else like, I love church. I do it all day long, Chris. You just don't love Jesus. Well, I love Jesus, but I know that there's other avenues for people to exercise their gifts. And there's people, I mean, there's like Caleb has a small group on Fridays. That thing was amazing. Like, I just caught the tail end, but if you've ever been in a group with Caleb, Caleb knows a lot, and he is really good at talking about it. All right? And some of you might need to get there and might need to to get involved in that. And it also builds relationship because this is something we can't do alone. Another thing we do, we have Go Deeper, 
What is go deeper? You see the slides. Go deeper is a way for you to get to know Lakeside. If, if, this, if you're just visiting and you're just checking us out over the last couple weeks, um, then come to go deeper and get to know us. Let us get to know you because we can't work together if we don't know each other. Ask me anything you're wondering about the church. That's what it's for. You can talk to me. I can talk to you. The other thing that, is really, that I'm really excited about coming up in March, we have a foundations class coming. We're going to unleash Caleb and some others with some basic Christian doctrine. Stuff that maybe not be may not be appropriate for Sunday morning because it's going to get deep. They're going to ask questions. But we would love for people to really learn the Bible. We have a missions team. We have a few people that have gathered together and they are figuring out ways. They are praying about it and they are figuring it out right now about how to serve this community. How to make known the glory of Christ. And you're going to be hearing from them shortly because they, they, they really want to serve people and they don't just want to check off a box. Isn't that good to know? Sometimes it's easy to check off a box, but they're, they're, creating, they're finding different ways that we can be involved with this community. We have our dream team. Those are the people that show up every week or they're involved in leading the small groups or they're involved in worship or they're involved in kids' side. They're trying to be an active part of God's body. And that's what Christ is looking for. Now, I, I just have this silly example. You couldn't tell. But about 30 seconds ago, I put my leg down. And it wasn't working. And it was hurting. And it wasn't moving. And that's my body. Like, I should be able to tell it what to do, but something like, ooh, there's a cramp. I have nerve damage, if you don't know. My body is not cooperating. How many of us are basically like that in the body of Christ? We've got nerve damage. The head is trying to send us signals, but we're too busy with our own thing. My body... It tells me to wake up at 2 a.m. My head is like, no! Stop it, body! My body, good morning! When your body tells your head what to do, things are bad. A lot of us are trying to be members of the body of Christ, and we think we're the boss. We think we determine what God should be doing. And God has said, I'm the head. I'm in charge. Making the gospel known through the church, that's what I want to do. And that's what he wants to do. But it all starts, as we get ready to close right now, it all starts with remembrance. Remembrance. You will have nothing to proclaim if you don't have something to remember. You will have nothing to make known if you don't have a story of his faithfulness. And so as we remember Christ, we remember how he's forgiven us for our sins. 
We remember how he fulfilled the law that we couldn't fulfill. We remember that he died in our place. We remember that when we were lost and alone, he came to find us. Isn't that good to remember? And so we are going to end. We're going to have a worship song in about 30 seconds. And then we're going to invite, in fact, the people that are serving communion. Would you come up here now and so, just so you're ready? Then we're going to serve communion and we're going to remember the work of Christ. We're going to remember that which he's done. And so would you stand with me now as we prepare to worship? Would you just close your eyes for a second and would you just, I want to ask you a question. How many of you, you feel like you need some forgiveness today? There's some things in your life that haven't been pleasing to God. With every eye closed, this is between you and him. You need forgiveness. You can't remember forgiveness yet because you need forgiveness. You can't celebrate what he's done because you feel lost. You need Christ's work in your life right now. Would you put your hand up? If you put your hand up, forgiveness is for you right now. It is. Just ask. He never expected you to fulfill the law. That's why he sent Jesus. And he knew you would sin. That's why he shed his blood. So just acknowledge your sin to him and say, Father, I'm sorry. Forgive me where I've failed you. As the worship music plays, just make that your prayer. Say, forgive me where I've failed you. And then begin to thank him for the cross. Thank him for forgiveness. Thank him for mercy. We're going to sing a song. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>